When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? Get your vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics, and where we notably have not said racial slurs a hundred times. Apparently, Sammy, this is a, this is a high bar for the nation's most popular podcast host. It's a frustrating conversation. I'm really not interested in talking about Joe Rogan for a second week. Like, I wonder if I, it makes me Don't wonder worry, like, if it actually, oh yes, we are not today, audience. <laughs> um, it makes me wonder if it's actually going to drive listenership for him. I think it'll make his listenership probably... You're probably right. I mean, it probably will. I mean, all the time I just look at the top 10 podcasts on like Apple and it's always like The us, Daily naturally. and then us, The Daily <laughs> and then Ben Shapiro. And it's like, <laughs> right. yeah, I do think the doubling down. I don't think this hurts him at all. But do you think obviously what we're talking about and we are going to get more yeah. into it tomorrow because what we're talking about is that Joe Rogan uh, had to take Spotify had to remove what was it like 70 to 100 episodes where not yeah. because of COVID misinformation plot twist. But because of (laughs) racial slurs, racial insensitivities, he said the N-word. He posted a video saying that it just looked terrible in the context, but kind of like begrudgingly conceded that there's there's no context in which it's it's appropriate. But the reason we're going to save it for tomorrow is because what I learned with this whole uproar was that apparently Joe Rogan is a comedian. So I guess we'll have our comedian hosts discuss it. But I did not know that was his objective. No, I... Uh, I'm going to leave this to you guys tomorrow because, like, I'm just so sick of this man and, like, his, you know, his just antics. Like, it's so annoying that this person represents podcasting in this way. And he is, like, the number one highest paid podcaster. And uh, it's just such, like, the whole thing is just such a turnoff to me. It's so... It's quite mad. Yeah, it's, it's not so, a, it's not healthy to the discourse. But speaking of COVID yeah. information, I want some COVID information. How are you feeling? I'm fine. I tested negative on Saturday night. Um, I just think I had like a very low, like I think I got like very low dose because my friend <laughs> yeah. whose baby it was like <laughs> was sick. You know, she yeah. and, I, and she continued to be like positive or whatever. And yeah, I mean, I'm okay. I'm thankful oh that I'm okay, I can't and I can. You got COVID from a little baby. <laughs> I know of <laughs> all the people. <laughs> oh it, gosh. Right? it makes it. It just makes it funny. But um, yeah, gotta get these babies vaxxed. 
Yeah. So would you have, had you not known that you had exposure, would you have tested? Like, would you have noticed? I would not have tested if I didn't know that my friend whose baby it was, was positive. Because I don't think I felt really much different. Like, I was very tired, but like, I'm always very tired. So I wonder if I was just sort of leaning into yeah, knowing I had so COVID. many reasons. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think I would have tested because I didn't have like, there was nothing that extra, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. So, I mean, I feel like like that shows how important contact tracing is and should have been this whole time. Did you yeah, get contacted? Totally. Like, how does no. that even work? No. Interesting. Well, I don't I don't think because so we all t- use like home tests to detect yes, it. Right, so like right, there was right. no record, although I did. Now I feel like I'm like home test girl. Like I got this. New, <laughs> yeah, like there's a new like on go. They have like an app and I feel like there's some sort of contact tracing element with got that it. maybe. Yeah. But yeah, no, oh, I that's um, definitely a market. That's definitely a blank space. Yeah, I think they ha- they might have it in there. I was able to order them like to be delivered to my house. Really, my mom did it. Actually, I was like, "Can you just yeah. do it?" <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> doing this. Exactly. Lean into it. Lean yeah, into it. Exactly. Oh. Well, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you're feeling better, and uh, we you. will save our next Joe Rogan roast for for tomorrow. I know, like Millie and Elise, as actual comedians, will have much more yes. insightful things that I have to say. Other than no, Joe, I don't think Joe Rogan is a comedian. I, <laughs> I'm just so like he exists in this space that is just such like a like to me well, Wes- as a Wesley- yeah, sorry, go as just like the as someone who has been in the f- business of female comedy and media for like now 11 years, it is. So f- watching these people, like that type of Him person. And the Dave Portnoy's. It's- yes. Rise. It's just like, it makes me feel exhausted to think yeah. about it because I'm f- frustrated. Like mm-hmm. to, to watch that those people are the ones who are like dominant in comedy media. Yeah. It's just like pain- pains me physically. Yeah. It's very, really, it's, it's exhausting. So on, on a, on a, much less funny note and trigger warning we are going to discuss some very intense racial violence in this episode there was outrage in minneapolis again this weekend after police shot and killed amir Locke. a SWAT team entered a downtown apartment with a no-knock warrant and killed the 22 year old black man whose parents said that he was startled from a deep sleep and reached for a legal firearm to protect himself this is also what appears to happen in the body camera footage Locke wasn't named in the warrant. And these are just details. Um, you know, as we're going through these, nothing, I think, nothing justifies just walking into a home and shooting somebody. Very little justifies yeah. that. But here are the details that surround this in particular. Locke wasn't named in the warrant, and he didn't live permanently in that residence. He was staying with somebody else. We don't know much yet about the investigation other than it involved a homicide. I read that the person who lived at that address had a lot of police run-ins, which for me only might have, like, informed the police response however still you can't no reason to walk into a home and and kill the person there before they've done anything and amir Locke, he had a clean record and purchased the firearm legally the city released body cam footage of this which i will describe you hear somebody yell police search warrant they like open the door they didn't even knock they just they they got in uh, unlocked it that was my question i don't know maybe somebody in the investigation maybe there was like a master type of key i don't know yes that makes sense because i read that something there was sort of like a coordinated 
raid in this apartment complex. They shouted hands and get on the ground. The video shows an officer kick a sofa, which kind of exposes Amir, who was asleep. This was at 6.45 in the morning, wrapped in a comforter and on the sofa. I think it's especially heartbreaking because we all remember mm. being young in our 20s, yeah. sleeping on a friend's sofa. Um, and yeah. the way this ended, he just sort of is extremely startled. The kick kind of removes the comforter, which shows that he is holding a gun. And three shots are heard and the video ends. There were four officers, and they were all Why'd wearing the video bulletproof vests. Okay, yeah. Good question. I mean, that's maybe that's just maybe the video, the, the video we saw. Yeah, yeah the, the released video, and so that's that's what we know happened to yeah. Amir Locke on Wednesday. Okay, here is what is confusing. Why does the no knock warrant ever necessary? Like you would think that they'd be like, oh, we've had some trouble with these in the past. Why do that's we keep the doing them? Like, also, once you're holding a gun at somebody, like, you're they're going to be like, oh, wait, like, you know, it, it's just all just a very on. It's just very unnecessary and speaks to an overall lack of value of life that police like three police think that it's OK to just walk in and shoot somebody who also happen they happen to have a gun nearby like i don't i personally think that's they're like oh thank god he had a gun nearby so now we have an excuse like i don't yeah. think that that actually would have necessarily changed the calculus of these situations because like you have a brianna taylor situation um where mm -hmm. she didn't have a gun in her hand well in um, that case i mean i think that's similar because her her her, her boyfriend did, did which, but, which instigated right. the shooting but the problem was that but she uh, like, yeah I mean, it's, as we're talking about this, I mean, gun rights activists have spoken out saying, like, he had a right to have that gun. I mean, this is what those. What about like a taser? What about like a BB gun? Like, why don't we start with like lighter, non-lethal methods of well, disarming clearly, people? Clearly, yeah. If that know. is really a concern. Know. Well, because even when we do that, you have a Kim Potter where she reaches for the wrong fucking thing. So it's like, okay, you just well, have like to keep. <laughs> it's like, this is what this shows is that you just have to keep cops away from black people and you have to have processes to like mitigate this because the like the mayor jacob fry i'm confused because i read that that no knock warrants were still allowed but you had to like announce yourself before or as you walk in it's like sort of unclear so now they're putting a moratorium on this but why did this kid have to die they yeah like now he's like okay we're hiring the people that helped with brianna's law to consult with our police oh, department great, why cool. now why now right. it's like you killed a random person that's what i think a is child, that's what i think is not yeah After that is happens in minneapolis what the fuck i just don't i just don't understand how like there's no acknowledgement like you shot a random person like you literally might as well just have walked onto the street and fired a fired your gun because that is what you did effectively like this person mm -hmm. had nothing this is a Botham John situation completely to do this person with anything had a gun right yeah right and in this case it's like oh well he had a gun it's like well what about it was legal the woman who shot the guy in his house who also did not who did not have a gun but yeah but, yeah like you're saying there's just like for some reason like young black men seem to activate this impulse in police officers that they need to be trained out of and something like they can't. the other thing for it's, me is that these you're yeah. wearing a bulletproof vest there are four of you right like i have what are, what are they not showing i i like, think it's i don't think this is something that can be trained out of them i think this is like an inherent bias like you can do like implicit bias training but like not but ultimately, at the end of the day, you have a lethal weapon in your hand and any mistake 
due to your bias is going to be a lethal mistake. It's not going to just be like, you know, I think that's really more the issue. It's like you can do that training, but in the heat of the moment, and that's what these, you know, that's what typically police officers say it is. In the heat of the moment, like they're, the issue is that they are still able to kill somebody very easily. And I mean, it's also interesting that this continuously shows up in the same type of cities. Like, why is it that Minneapolis always has these problems? Like, what is happening in that police department, in that community, that it's a continuous flashpoint? Yeah, I mean, if I were... Imagine being young, a black person in Minneapolis, which I'm sure we have listeners who are. Terrifying. Terrifying. You can't just be in a place without being worried, in a home, sleeping safely, without thinking that this that this could happen. So I think that people are very mad at that mayor, and I think they should be, because if if the steps were followed a year ago, and I don't know, remember Minneapolis was like, they had a vote about um, like disbanding their police department. Yeah. And it, and it lost, but like not by a lot. And the fact that, you know, maybe it was like, I think we talked about this, it was like a very healthy number of people thought, we need to start over. And I think that they are validated. I also read something weird that like it was like a St. Paul. Maybe they were executing it for the St. Paul. It it doesn't matter. Right. But like you said, I mean, Jacob just... Fry, I know his name because of issues with guns mm-hmm. against the black community. Like that's the one reason I know who the mayor of Minneapolis is. And, and I've known for that now like two years, let's say. So you would think that there. when I saw that it was Minneapolis, I was like, I thought they maybe did something about it. I guess I'm confusing, you know, the stories, but clearly no. And yeah, it is horrible. It's, you know, I think there's a lot. You're you're muted. Yeah, I think there are a lot of factors. There was a lot that could have been done that clearly wasn't. And why are cops just allowed to like lethally murder people who are random people? It's like... Sorry, I know and I'm I know, now getting no, into no, hysterical this is the world. Point. But I think that's how we're all feeling today. And I think that, like, a lot of people in this country will have a reaction that is very stereotypical reaction about young black men when they hear that he had a gun in his hand that they do not have when they think about Kyle Rittenhouse or, like, it, it, that can't be your people. This is what these Second Amendment people fight for. They take, they post TikToks right. of themselves literally sleeping with their guns. That's like part of their I, thing. That is and another thing I don't to get. Their credit, to their credit, a spokesman for the Minnesota, <coughs> I hate guns. I don't like guns. But to their credit, a spokesman for the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus said Mr. Locke did what many of us might do in the same confusing circumstances. He reached for a legal means of self-defense while well, he sought to understand what was happening. Now, I'm yeah. sure the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus has different political objectives than I do. But as long as these are our country's laws, it's just crazy to think like one issue. You know, That's a I great think- point. I also think it brings up the fact that like, why are Americans sleeping with guns? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I feel so pro- all of these conversations we started having today makes me feel incredibly out of touch. Like <laughs> we're a bunch of like Joe Rogan listening gun cuddlers like is it like what the fuck is going on like yeah i think for like these trolly far right people they're sleeping with their guns and taking pictures to you know troll the liberals and i i don't want to project but i read a little bit about like there were times where amir like did fear for his safety and other aspects of his life and he was still doing like he might have had a reason for that that wasn't related to the police but you know what if it only white people are allowed to feel for their safety evidently (laughs) evidently i mean what are 
I mean, what are what are they what are people supposed to do to protect themselves when police could? It, it's an it literally it doesn't make any it's sense. Impossible. It's not like he was even protecting himself from the police in theory. Like it was mm-hmm. just it's really just devastating though the state of things. Right. Right. I mean, like, I guess the assumption, the projection, I guess I'm making, which you need to be confirmed, is like for some reason he felt like he needed to have a gun on him. And the fact that he was he was right or he was right to feel to feel endangered, even if for a different reason, is just like really fucking sad. I mean, I would question why. Look, like, why do like these white people feel like they need to sleep with their guns? No, absolutely. It's in whatever they might have their reasons but i think we maybe there's a bigger problem like why do americans feel a need in general for whatever reason that they're coming from feel a need to sleep with their guns are just, are just a big question from other perhaps a social scientist would like to a new one that. for them <laughs> yeah. yeah oh god yeah like maybe like let's just maybe we all need to have our binkies a little longer so we don't <laughs> I'm sleeping. Oh my god, you're about guns. to get into the world where you're going to start fighting with moms over pacifiers. So watch what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> I know. Oh, I that's know. A, yeah. Uh, trust I can't me. even like yeah. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So finally today, we want to spend a few minutes discussing the harrowing work conditions for some congressional staff exposed in hundreds of anecdotes, maybe thousands at this point, shared with and posted by the account. 
Dear White Staffers. This is an amazing account that's pretty niche. They they make memes and they create content about being a BIPOC staff member at such a predominantly white institution. I'm not sure if they are currently still employed on the Hill. Nobody knows much about them. I've DM'd with them a little bit, asking if mm. there's a way we can raise money for them. And they're like, nope. But they are what they are doing takes so much time and is such a service, like creating an actual record of this. Um, so God bless. The account had less than 10,000 followers a few weeks ago, but has ballooned to 70K after it invited and posted a lot more accounts of low pay, hostile work environments, and racial and gender discrimination. And then I think uh, Dumois posted it too, right? That's what I heard. I I don't, I didn't, I didn't know that, but that is yeah. very interesting. I mean, they're basically like a Dumois type you know, exactly like thing for employment on of Capitol on Hill. Capitol sure. Hill, yeah, yeah. And now it's sort of become a thing on the Hill, and apparently everybody's talking about it. It's grown to seventy thousand followers. Um, I'm very curious because you know you can see who looks at your stories, so they're probably having fun. Maybe it's a lot of like fake new accounts or something of like Nancy Pelosi making a finsta yeah. <laughs> to look through dear white staffers for yeah. sure. Uh, and uh, I'll give a few examples. One says, our federal laws are being written, edited by folks. Meanwhile, we can't pay enough to eat or pay rent. I've been talking to somebody who used to be employed on the Hill, recently left. They are going to publish just a, a written piece with us about the experience anonymously. Um, but they said that I could share some of the things that they had already written that we were going to publish. So they described the Capitol's ugly underbelly of addiction, depression, and hopelessness. This is coming from the people that are keeping our government going. Do not be fooled. Staffers are the backbone. Toxic workplace is never okay. It's not okay if you are an entry-level staff member whose job is is insignificant. Um, but if your job is to enact the policy for this country, it is especially disturbing. Yeah, I think that this has shades. I mean, we can go through the specifics of this, this, you know, this the staff on Capitol Hill. But I think that this has shades of a lot of things that we've seen, especially in the past two years, where like the way nurses are treated, the way teachers are treated, how understaffed and how like emotionally beaten down these people are and how underpaid they are and how they're also expected in a lot of cases, particular teachers to like provide their on their own financially for their, you know, for their job. And I think that this is just one side of the same coin of the people who we need most are actually in danger by doing their jobs because of how poorly they're treated. And it's like, of course, that we have so many problems. The people that, you, that you're leaning on to be the ones to fix it or help are the ones who literally are put in danger themselves. Like, it is not healthy to not be able to live on your salary. It is actually like, and those people are the ones supporting our members of Congress, literally mm -hmm. the ones who are like writing legislation. They're like starving and hungover because, you know, mm -hmm. they, it's, it's just, uh, the, again, I like the country I, yeah. just treats its most important people horribly while you have, you know, like a Joe Rogan who's paid $100 million to spew bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I yeah. think what you were saying about teachers and nurses applies a lot here, especially in terms of like the impact of the pandemic. And, you know, those jobs, I think 
you know, thank God what keeps people in those jobs like teaching and nursing and working in government is that it is supposed to be rewarding and you do get fulfillment out of it and it's supposed to pay that way. But increasingly, that is not happening either. I mean, people you can't I live to on that. On, no, you can't live on that at all. People I talk to on the Hill, you know, especially with the House, they're running every two years. So they're always running for office and it's hard to, for them to really feel like they're prioritizing the policy when somebody's always running for office. But I did ask them if they thought it was better in the Senate offices since that's a six year cycle. And they were like, "Um, maybe, but there's just so much going on here that's about politics and not helping people. It sounds like a range of, you know, your typical like the member themselves being just a tyrant um, and bullying and belittling and verbally abusing people um, and, you know, staff members that clearly have too much power and aren't advocating to just like I don't make enough to live. The median house pay for the median pay for house staffers was fifty nine thousand a year as of July, with entry level staffers making in the thirty thousand range. And DC is an expensive city to live in. Well let's talk about the like the the House member or the you know the member of Congress being a tyrant and the people under them being like sort of enforcers for that. Okay. I think this speaks to an an issue in the American political system, possibly having to do with, you know, things like lack of term limits and the fact that House members are reelected every two years and the impact of money in those campaigns is that you're not getting true public servants. You're getting like egotistical people who have a thick enough skin to not give a fuck what anyone thinks when like your opposition like completely just demolishes you. You're taking people who will accept that in so that they can gain some semblance of power. And then they're hiring, obviously, their high level staff. And those are the ones who they are like interacting with the most on a daily basis. And those people who are willing to like do whatever the, you know, whatever they need, no matter how many friends you lose, no matter how many people you leave dead and bloodied along the way, like all that, that whole mindset those people are obviously going to be the ones who are able to maintain a position of power. And you don't like, you don't every day get somebody like Joe Biden who's going to be like, I want you to take your time off. Like it's those people are, you're muted again. Those people are, are few and far between and our political system incentivizes. It actually incentivizes people who are more like ruthless, who will do things for the money, who will say anything to get elected and and to keep their jobs. And it's like, of course, those people are not going to be the most um, they're 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 going to be closer to the tyrant than the leader. You know, they're not going to do things for their staff and like sacrifice or like accept things not getting done, you know, so that people can have more work-life balance. Like, that's just not the type of person who our system incentivizes to be coming elected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's such a good point. One of the people that, like, has come up a lot is Pramila Jayapal, who is kind of favored to be Speaker of the House. And I've sort of seen mixed things. Like, you know, it's hard to tell. She just, she just I mean, the I was going to say it's hard to tell does she just run a type ship and it's being perceived as sexist or is what she's or is it like a real problem? And I think that's been a challenge with these accounts for me personally, as somebody who, who covers this, mm-hmm. is that it's very journalistically muddy. Mm-hmm. Um, it is all hearsay. It's all anonymous. I personally don't like the Pramila Jayapal story bothered me when it came out because it's like people that don't follow this close like 
also it's why Juma makes me feel icky too sometimes mm. because it's like you may the only thing you might hear about let's say I'm going to throw out a random celebrity I've seen nothing about like Emma Stone let's say one person is like Emma Stone was mean to me ordering coffee once you know what Sammy I've been mean to somebody ordering coffee once not right. usually though I'm usually very nice and then it's like everybody that sees that the hundred, the tens of thousands of people think that that person's an asshole and that's all they're ever going to think because they're never going to be exposed to information that counters that because they're not seeking it out but what you're seeing here, it, the sheer volume is obviously undeniable. Repeated, right. the same themes are coming up, thank God. And thank God this person stuck with what they were doing because now people feel safe. Members themselves, I think, might potentially change their behavior if they feel threatened by things that are that are getting said. I mean, people are reacting to it saying, you know, I'm getting my my master's and this really covet this this skill that the federal government really covets, but I'm not going to go work for I'm not going to go work at this place. Right. It's there is like a brain drain effect. Like, why would you want to go work somewhere that's going to pay you absolute shit and treat you like shit so that you can like what get something yeah. on your resume that maybe isn't even that valuable yeah. in the grand scheme of I don't know. It depends what you want, you know. Um, but OK, let's talk about the Pramila Jayapal of it all for a second. So someone like her. Look, I can't pass judgment on her office or her staff. I have not read everything out there about her office other than just like there's a set. I have a sense that there is high turnover. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Sometimes I do wonder, like, to what extent is it, like, are these complaints sort of like, you know, I hate to use this stereotype, but like a little bit of like a coddled millennial type thing. Like to what extent is it like, oh, these people are actually abusing you 
or like younger people have a little bit of an unrealistic view of what like work means. And I think that, and I, look, I don't want to like demean anyone's opinion or their experience from these accounts, but I do think for every like legitimate, like really big complaint, I'm sure there are people who were like, they were mean to me. And like, you know, it was, it really scarred me. It's like, sometimes like you're going to have a really bad experience at work. And I think that that's very common. It does not mean that your boss is wholly abusive. And it doesn't mean that like you're, it's a fully a toxic work environment. But then again, I think in the case like this, where you're seeing a lot of different accounts from different perspectives, if you read all of it, you can get the nuance, but most people are not reading all of it. Um, I also think another point like with Pramila Jayapal is like, the interesting thing is that, you know, she's a progressive. You, she supports progressive policies. So you would assume there's this assumption like, oh, she must be so nice and kind to her staff. And there's a difference between like ideologically and politically working for something versus like how you run your organization. And I think that that also gets lost. And it also excuses conservatives because they don't have that like, idealistic sheen on them externally. So it's like, oh, of course, they they want to go back to 1950. They always say that, you know, yeah. of course, they're going to treat sure, people like it is. Right. And I'm sure some of the progressive members weaponize that what they're working for is positive for the American people. So they can say, you know, well, this is why we're doing this. But like I said, people right. are getting this sense. I think I agree with you. I That's, think yeah. before that was like what made me itch you at it before. It was like, oh, these are really like, I don't want to, because they were all coming from Democrats. And the I think the reason the media didn't pick up on this soon enough is like the media is not really capable <laughs> of covering this in a way that does not help Republicans. And the person I talked to was really, really concerned about this. She said, like, GOP members are doing the exact same things to their staffs, but they're just also degrading democracy. <laughs> and right, right. there's no way it just gives the 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 right such a great <laughs> talking point, which I don't think really connects with anyone in, in their base anyway. But I... I think in this I case, think if anything, was... what it does for them, it's like it's like the staffers and progressive offices are a bunch of like millennial whiners. Like, I think that's yeah, probably yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. The, the instead of like, oh, like, you know, there should be instead of the belief, which I think probably most people who are writing into this account and we we have as well, is that like people deserve to have like a humane workplace and they deserve rest and to be adequately paid so that they can live like and that is not only a benefit to that person it's also a benefit to their employer wherever whoever or whatever it might be but mm -hmm. i think on the conservative side there's like a tough suck it up these yeah. people who are whining you don't hear republican offices whining because they are just like okay to do the work i <laughs> mean it's touched you he does that to everybody <laughs> right exactly like i don't think it's okay in those offices either but it you know it, yeah. it's there's there's a well, different there's, standard yeah. There's also no HR in Congress, which is what this person. There's no. That's just so there's weird. no relief. There's no release valve because a lot of companies, if you're really, really frustrated and you are being like, you're being mistreated, you can go talk to HR and they will, they'll give you something. They'll say, we'll, right. we'll try to sort it out. We'll talk to this person, and they don't even have that. They don't have anybody that's like, we will try to advocate for you, even though that's not always what HR varies places. But there, there's nobody to even to even to even do that. So I think, I mean, Nancy Pelosi didn't comment on this. She was asked about it, though. And I do think that this will, like we were talking about before, like 
Of course, we're all going to be unpleasant sometimes. I think our members of Congress should have to work harder at being pleasant more often. That should be part of the job rather than them thinking that part of the job is that they can just be assholes and do whatever they want and bully people. It's like, right. They're also so, old. They're yeah. old. Like these people, like AOC, let's say, I think is a good example of someone who like really understands like the modern workplace, modern communications, and like understands that you can actually be more productive the better you treat your staff. And I think that she probably is like a good example of someone who who kind of gets that and the importance of it and like why it is actually beneficial mm-hmm. but you're we're talking about like the average age of like set like these people are like septuagenarians like they don't understand like the modern like the modern mindset they're like, not it's even very buying old goods school. and services like these people aren't even like somebody else is doing everything for them there's also these right. numbers that i said like one in eight staff members wasn't making like the national minimum salary or something i don't know but like they what? can't they can't get groceries these staff members right. can't get groceries, and infl- this, these studies were I hope before they provide inf- snacks in the were office, before truly. inflation. And it's like, forgive me if I don't think that like Nancy Pelosi, who's an eighty-one-year-old, extremely wealthy woman, and I don't know how her office was run. I, I haven't read any of the accounts of hers, but like, I don't really think she like knows what it's like to be somebody earning fifty thousand dollars a year. And sometimes no. I worry with the media coverage of this is like, this country is so poor. I think the average household income is like 60,000 that when they hear like, oh, these kids are whining over an average median or over a medium of 60,000, it's like, well, yeah, because we actually all deserve to have a little bit more room to breathe and live in this world. Right, right. Like, There's no do, like, oh, it's like, do. oh, you can make it. <clears throat> right, exactly. Like it's, it's, okay, there's two places I'd like to go with this conversation. One is the way that like this is not only in Congress that this happens. Like I think there's this exploitation within like nonprofits, let's say, where it's like, well, you know, you're helping the cause. So you shouldn't be like rolling in money. And like it's like, oh, if you so if you decide to devote your time to doing something nice, you don't deserve money. Like you don't deserve money because you chose to help people. Like I would unless you're like (laughs) so backwards, unless you're like a plastic surgeon who's like fixing like it's like birth right. defects like you're the, that's the only person who's helpful or who's allowed to earn money. Enough money that i mean this is the biggest problem and this is why this account even started was that so few people can can afford to live under those conditions who don't have help who don't have inherited wealth who don't have a family member that can like help them with rent or that can venmo them for groceries every now and then or can like help get them on their feet while they figure it out which so many people do which keeps these staffs very white and privileged Oh, totally. And I imagine that like few people who come from so much inherited wealth are like, let me go work real for no money, like and help. Like <laughs> so that everyone can have health care and my parents who will who have to who who will have to pay for all their, you know, like more taxes. Like I just think mm-hmm. that there's like a cyclical issue here mm-hmm. where it's not it feeds itself for the worst. And something else you brought up that I think is really important is this like the way that addiction becomes a problem because I don't think that like you want a bunch of people who are like functioning I don't want to even use this term like people who have like alcohol abuse disorder but are able to like minimally function like those are the people you want running things like that's how you want your staff to be coping with stress like by becoming addicted to to alcohol or or pill whatever it is like that is not 
you're first of all healthy, humane for for your staff. Second it's of all, glamorous. helpful it's- to the the job you're doing. Like mm-hmm. that's it, since when are you like oh yeah like the most functional people are those who like go home <laughs> who have on, two and a half and drinks like, every night and feel terrible. <laughs> yeah, and like also drinking doesn't only it's not like you th- these people are all just going home and drinking in solitude a lot of time i'm sure they're drinking together which then i imagine mixes some like leads to other things like mm-hmm. certain maybe unfair yeah. dynamics between higher level and lower level staffers like uh, you know sort of it sounds people like who say things it just sounds like you're turning this into a fraternity mm-hmm. But no one's right. parents are around, and it's to pay not dues. benefiting anyone. <laughs> okay. Beautiful, yes. And the members are the parents, and they're refusing. I mean, Pelosi. So she recently created, a, it was called the Select Committee on the Modernization of Congress, which has made some recommendations, a lot of recommendations of how to improve this. Some of which she has instituted. One was to raise the ceiling salary for senior staff to two hundred thousand dollars, and there was a lot of resistance to do that because it was higher than what the members get, which is one seventy four. But as you mentioned, a lot of these members, not all, and this isn't a healthy system, but a lot of these members are independently wealthy. So it's like, I don't know if it's like, oh, good, they acknowledge that there's a reason to to increase salaries for people who aren't them, but they didn't really create an opportunity okay. for, you know, if you're in Congress, you've got to have two homes, like. Right, okay, two things. $174,000 is like not enough, I don't think, for the members of Congress to be making. Like maybe that was enough in like the 90s, That's but true. I do not think that is enough now. I mean, like, I, I think my taxes, we're doing our taxes. It is, that is, that's, you're not getting that much. That's pipe it, dream. Right, like I think that members should make more, yeah. senior staff should make more. And not only should it be like the the ceiling, it's there should be a floor for floor, ju- for floor. junior staff. Like it's not so much about what like the higher level people are making. It's about what because those people, if you are making two hundred thousand dollars, you can pay your rent in D.C. Like you can survive on one hundred seventy five thousand dollars in D.C. Like even post tax, like you yeah, can make you can it. You're not. You can have a right. Right. Maybe you're not living large, but no. like you can live. The issue is the people who cannot live on on anything. And why wouldn't you want to guarantee that those people can live? Like, I would think that the floor should be $50,000 for people who are working in Congress. Like, it, yeah. that's not a lot, but it's more than it's so much more than $30,000. Like, yeah, there's so much yeah. dissonance because it's like, how can we how can we be part of this party that is fighting for every American to what AOC says all the time? Like, if you're working 40 hours a week, you shouldn't. Be, there's absolutely no reason you should be hungry or not have a place to live. And right. I can't imagine like Congress can just why do we just I think because we just it's just been a pipeline for the wealthy. But it's just insane that we just accept this in our society and in Congress, which makes the rules governing our society, that it's just right. OK to pay people like, you know, they know this isn't enough to live. Everybody knows right. it's just like figure it out. And if they if they raise the floor to, let's say, fifty thousand dollars, which I think would be like a fair floor. Like, really, I do. I'm fairly certain that AOC, that is her floor in her office. Right. I I think that yeah. is a reasonable floor, like just given. Because she only has so much yeah. to work with, too. Right, it's not exactly. Like, she, yeah. like you can't be paying everyone a hundred grand. Like it's not yeah. doable. But I do think that fifty thousand dollars is like a livable wage in D.C. And it's not again not an amazing wage, but livable it is, is a very livable precise being definition. key. Yeah. Right, livable, and that's you know what that's 
what they need. You know what I mean? Like, let people live. And I don't think that anyone's like going to start running to Congress because the the new floor is 50 grand. Like no one who's who wants money is like going to choose that because they suddenly made the floor 50 grand. Like you're still going to get the same people. They're just going to be higher, able to function better because they're not like scrounging to survive. And like people having side hustles is not something to be proud of. It's it's not like scrappy. It's not like determined. It is because they need it. And it, that is sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, even if they're going to give you only so much is worth $200,000 or 50000 a lot of these issues seem to go far beyond. I mean, a lot of people, their accounts, you know, seem sound like you, you couldn't pay them enough to stay, um, which is pretty scary. Like, OK, so so if you can't pay them enough to stay, like, that's OK. Not everyone wants to work there or should work there and everyone's entitled to their values and priorities like but you at least the people who want to work there and are willing to like sacrifice you know like a very you know a certain type of lifestyle so that they can work there should at least be able to afford rent and food Mm -hmm. yeah i think there should just be like congressional mutual aid between like the members and the it should just be like a pool like i think mark warner should just give his money to the mark warner is a like but then how is that fair but here's the thing how is that fair for him like i don't know how mark warner made his money but like why should he be funding like the government personally you know it's like it, the and government also, if we, if should be able to function services, without this yeah. guy. And if we know? just had services for everybody, they would also go to the people that work for the government. They would also get free health care. They would also get student. I actually think people that work right. for the government do get a fair amount of student loan relief. And that kind of keeps them in it for a long time. But the person I was talking to, she was just like, I couldn't. I couldn't anymore. And change to their mental health, they said, was just like immediate and overwhelming. So I think I'm hoping right. that these members of Congress... I'm sure that person could get a job working at they did a think tank or a news like a a news studio and get paid probably double and they can pay their student loans without Mm, burying so much (laughs) like you can pay your student loans from getting other jobs and I would say if I knew someone worked in Congress I would want to hire them like they're probably a good employee and you know depends what obviously it is but you know yeah. Betches is hiring, so Betches dot yeah, anyone slash who, careers. <laughs> yeah, we will pay you a livable wage. Yes, that is our show for today. And yeah, if you if you um, if this applies to you, if you were a staff member in Congress and you want to share, the best thing to do is to DM me personally. It doesn't bother me, and I can see it much more quickly than I will through SUP. And if you do want to share anything publicly, we can find ways to keep you anonymous. Make sure that nobody knows who you is, who you are, if there's something. Who you is. Who you is. <laughs> if uh, if there's something you have not seen out there that you think needs to be amplified, DM me and we can talk about it. That is our show. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.